0: Welcome to the World War II radio podcast. This week we have an episode of Escape, the 13th Truck, which tells the story of a group of Allied commandos planning to destroy a Nazi airbase in Africa. The episode originally aired on August 16th, 1953. Escape was broadcast over CBS from 1947 to 1954. Despite rarely having a regular sponsor, the show managed to bounce around the CBS schedule for seven years, and is today probably the most popular of the old-time radio adventure shows. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you'd like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also support the show by clicking on the link in the show notes and offering your financial support. Your donations help us to continue to produce the podcast, and thanks to those of you who have already donated. So thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast.
2: Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure?
1: Want to get away from it all? We offer you escape. Escape. ...designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure.
2: You are a hundred miles from your own lines... ...waiting for the enemy who will lead you to your destination while the danger to you and your men becomes more acute for if you are discovered the only road of escape will be death
1: so listen now as escape brings you the 13th truck based on the story of captain douglas m smith <laughs>
2: Some of the men called it a joyride. Two days before, we left headquarters at Cabrit, Egypt, circled Tobruk, sneaked across into Nazi-held territory. Destination? A Nazi airfield 100 miles behind enemy lines. A joyride? The next 24 hours could turn our army truck into a hearse. Just six of us in that truck, Sergeant Healy, a corporal, three enlisted men, Hutchins, Twombly, and Guppy... And myself, Captain Paul Brown, U.S. Army. I was the only American in the group, the others drafted from Montgomery, State Army. As a unit, we were called Desert Commandos. Our business? Sabotage. Dunny desert. Easy desert, Sergeant. Didn't see it, Captain. Sorry, sir. Break an axle, we're in big trouble.
1: Listen to it. Think they was on a blooming joyride, you would. Uh, Captain? What? I was thinking. The men been wondering what they're in for this trip.
2: Well, they'll hear about it tonight when we stop. That'll make them feel brighter. If a man's going to die, it makes him feel better if he knows why. Captain Brown, a plane, a plane. Where?
1: East, about eight thousand. I will pick him up with the glass. Master Schmidt. Can't tell yet. Too far.
2: Pull up, sergeant. Over those those Hurry. Yes.
1: Get the truck covered, men, and try not to raise any dust.
2: What get, Captain? No. Hutchins said to the east. Don't hear it.
1: Hop to it with that cover, lads.
2: Got it. It's a plane, all right. I can't tell what kind. It's coming this way. Pin them edges down with rocks. Make it look natural. It's
1: a Messerschmitt. Schmidt. Under the truck, man. Messerschmitt. Come on. Let's go, Sergeant. Now keep it quiet, lads <sighs> And don't move. Yeah, uh... He's coming in. Yeah. Think that camouflage net will fool
2: him? Oh, that's what it's for. <laughs> We're ducks in a ruddy pond if it doesn't. Who's moving back there? Me, hey, sir.
1: No But there's ants around in
2: here, sir. Stuck right over an
1: ant I'm sitting on it. Hey. Big red
2: ants, Captain. Well, don't move. And whatever you do, don't touch that net.
1: Hey!
2: hey Shut your jaw, Corporal! <laughs> They're all over the place. Captain. Hey, he's cycling back. I'll hear him, sir. Well, I'll check. Okay, Jerry's gone. Come on. Now what, sir? I'll get that net loaded and let's get moving. We can put in another 50 miles before
1: dark. At this rate, I guess we'll be driving right into Rumble's front yard, sir.
2: Sergeant Healy scratched an ant under his shirt then turned and hustled the men into the truck and we were on our way again. No singing now. The corporal stared across the desert from his side of the truck. Hutchins kept his eyes up where the Messerschmitts roamed. The rest just scraped away at the layers of dust and sweat staring at each other. We covered 20 miles, 30, zigzagging deeper into Nazi territory. Just before dark, we parked in some low-lying hills above the coast highway, Rommel's main artery of communication and supply to the front lines. It was time to tell the men what they were in for.
1: Settle down, lads. Captain Brown has a word
2: for you. case you're wondering where we are, we're right here. Oh, blimey, right down Jerry's throat. Yes, yeah, just about. Intelligence reports say the Germans have established a hidden airfield somewhere in uh, this area, right here. Just off the coast highway. How do they know that, sir? Well, Nazi supply trucks have been spotted leaving the coast highway, taking a camel trail up into the hills. Right here. Now, they're supplying something up there. Headquarters is certain it's a hidden airfield. Oh, that explains all them fighter planes in the forward area. You're right. Mm. Well then, as I see it, sir, where to find that hidden airfield, sir. Find it, Corporal. And destroy it. Destroy it, sir? How? Go in and dynamite. Where do we get the dynamite? We've got it, Corporal. You've been sitting on it for the last couple of days. You mean them boxes in the truck? Ah,
1: dynamite. Hey, just the six of us are gonna blow up this airfield? By ourselves, sir?
2: That's a job, Hutchins.
1: It keeps getting tougher all the time. What's that, Twombly? Nothing, Sarge.
2: Uh, Captain, say we find the field. How do we get close enough to use the dynamite? Uh, Well, close won't do, Sergeant. You mean we're going right into the runny place, sir? That's right, Corporal. That's where we can do the most damage. One more question, sir. How do we get inside the airfield? Uh, We drive in. Drive in? I can just see them Nazis letting us drive into their airfield with a truckload of explosives. (laughs) Now, as soon as it's dark, we move on to that next hill up ahead. From there, we watch that camel road that comes up from the coast highway. We'll rest up there all day tomorrow. Then tomorrow night, after dark, we'll leave a sentinel at the top of the hill. That'll be you, Hutchins. Yes, sir. Then we'll move the truck down and park at a sharp curve within 20 yards of the Camel Road and wait.
1: Wait for what, sir?
2: For you to spot a German supply convoy on its way up to the Camel Road. There's a wait and count exactly the number of trucks in the convoy and the distance separating them. Yes, sir. Now, when you've got that information, you come back and report. Then we wait until the Jerry convoy comes around the curve. We let all but the last truck pass by, and before this last truck comes in sight, around the curve, we'll cut into the road and fall in line. You get the picture now, Corporal? Yes, sir, only, uh, well, why don't we fall in at the end of the convoy? Oh, come off it, Corp. And have them jerrys in the last truck get suspicious when another truck comes up behind them? I'm paid to fight, not to think so. All right, Corp. Then for once, you'll have a chance to earn your pay. <laughs> After dark, we moved onto the hill overlooking a long stretch of the camel road, a short distance from the sharp curve. We broke open the dynamite and attached time mechanisms. We finished preparations just before daylight, and the men covered the truck with a camouflage net and turned in for some sleep. With the sun it uh, got hot under the net. Then hotter, plus the flies. And the flies reminded me of of another place on a hillside in Ohio. Sandwiches, potato salad, and a girl. Dark eyes, dark hair, laughing and pushing me away. I'd forgotten her name, I... I wanted to kiss her, but she was worried about the flies on the potato salad. What was her name? Jane, no. Elaine. Eileen. And she let me kiss her. Lips cool. Nice. We forgot about the potato salad and the flies. Blast it, flies! Hey, Captain. Huh? Oh, what's the matter, Sergeant? It's getting dark, sir. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's time you slept since we left Cabrit, sir. Uh, you needed it. Yeah. You were screaming? Yes. Yeah. Your wife, sir? No, <laughs> just a lady friend. Just something that happened a long time ago. Sure. I remember a bit of strawberry jam. In Naples it was. She tended bar in one of them places you can never find when you go back. She never meant nothing to me. Funny thing, I try to remember her name. It never comes to me. <sighs> All this heat. Flipping wet. I guess we'd better get the man up. A few minutes the men were up on the truck with packs of dynamite on their backs. We left Hutchins on the hill to watch for the approaching convoy and moved down and parked 20 yards from the sharp curve in the camel road. Now we waited. Two hours passed. Three. Four. No sign of the German truck convoy.
1: What do we do if no convoy comes through tonight, sir?
2: Try again tomorrow night. Oh. Five hours. Still waiting. I began to think of the things that could go wrong now. I considered the possibility that Hutchins might have fallen asleep up on the hill. There were patrols scouting the area. What if one of them discovered us? It would be a run for our lives then. We needed darkness to get at that airfield, and there was only a few hours of it left. Still, we waited. No convoy. I was about to send the corporal to relieve Hutchins when he came scrambling down the hill.
1: Hey, hey, they're coming, Captain. Gary
2: Convoy. Twelve trucks. Twelve? You're positive, Hutchins. I'm positive, sir. I carried them three times. Twelve trucks, about 100 yards apart, averaging 30 miles an hour. Good. Climb aboard, Hutchins. On your toes, man. I count each truck as it passes. We move in behind the 11th truck. I just thought of something, sir. What? What are they going to think if they count 13 trucks when we reach the airfield when there were only 12 trucks to begin with? Well, we'll figure that one out when we get to it. Here
1: they come, Captain. 1st Jerry trucks coming around the bend. We will return to escape in just a moment. But first... CBS Radio wishes to call your attention to a new five-a-week daytime show on many of these same stations under the expert guidance of Jack Sterling. This new show asks members of the panel to make up your mind over problems with a psychological twist. The first week's guest list on Make Up Your Mind included Ilka Chase, Wendy Berry, Deems Taylor, Earl Wilson, and Vic Marcillo, former manager of Jersey Joe Walcott. And now, back to Escape.
2: The first truck of the Nazi convoy roared around the curve and passed. Thirty seconds later, another one. All we could see was two pinpoints of dim light coming at us. A dark shadow as it passed. And a tiny red light at the back of the truck. Three. Four. Five trucks. Then a command car. Now, what if the number 11 or 12 were command cars? They'd stop to investigate the sudden appearance of a truck at the end of the convoy. Well, we'd take a chance. Truck number seven. Eight. Nine. Two more. Start your engine, sir. Yes, sir. Behind the next truck, Sergeant. And no headlights until we're in line. Right,
1: sir. Here it comes.
2: Eleven, let's go. Good. Only that's number 13 back there, Corporal. We're number 12 now. <laughs> now keep your eyes peeled for that airfield. We'll have to do something about the extra truck in this convoy before we get there. In the meantime, sit tight and enjoy the ride. Uh-huh. What did you say, Twombly? Nothing.
1: Nothing at all, Sarge. All right. Settle back, boys, and enjoy the ride. Enjoy the blooming ride? And all them jerrys in front and behind us? I'll enjoy the ruddy side more on the return trip, I can tell you. Trouble with you, Hutchins, you're a stinking pessimist. How? Serve your ruddy well right if we're all blown to blazes.
2: The following half hour was uneventful. We moved along, keeping our place in line, watching the other trucks, watching for the airfield. Seeing nothing but a small red dot ahead, Two gray dots behind. Then the corporal noticed something about those two gray lights behind us. They grew larger, came closer. Captain, the rear truck is moving up on us. I think they want us to stop. What
1: for? How should I know? What do we do, sir? Pull up. Right.
2: better than mine. You do the talking. The rest of you keep your knives handy. No guns. There might be sentries along the road. They want a match. Neither of our boys have one.
1: Uh
2: Uh-oh. What's up, sir? Corporal gave him his lighter, but Jerry says it's a French one. Oh, it's okay. He covered. Because so he got it off a of French major. Oh, clear. Go to work, Corporal. Okay, let's go. We've got to catch up with the convoy before they come
1: back looking for us. Yes, sir. If we don't spot that airfield pretty soon, I'm going to have conniptions. I am.
2: We caught up and took our place again. We were about to reach the Nazi airfield soon, so I gave them in their final instructions. There was still one truck too many in the convoy that had to be taken care of. Then we topped to height and spotted a cluster of pinpoint lights up ahead. This had to be the hidden Nazi airfield. I gave the sergeant the order to swerve the truck across the road, blocking it. Right, a couple of you circle around behind them as they reach us. Hurry. Here they come. Motor trouble, Corporal. Right, sir. The motor is Cameron. broken, Cameron.
1: Yes. Yeah they come, sir. Only two. Now! <laughs> yeah,
2: that does it. Okay, transfer everything to the Jerry truck fast. Now, Twanley, you take our truck and hide it in that wadi off the road. Stay with it. We'll rally back here no more than 15 minutes from now. You got that, man? Got it. And, Twomley, this is an order. Wait here for 15 minutes, then start back to the base, even if you have to go back alone. Yes, sir. Just as we caught up with the Jerry convoy, the truck ahead pulled through the front gate. Two guards leisurely watched each truck as it passed under a spotlight. we reached the gate the guards didn't move then we were through the gate and inside we'd made it the other trucks parked about a hundred yards further on we pulled up at the end of the line and we got out stalling as much as possible the light over the front gate went out the other drivers were gone now It was quiet and dark. Come on. Quiet. Okay. Okay, now, hold it here. We'll split up now. Corporal, you and Guffey take that side of the field. Look for planes. Hutchins, you work on those buildings along there. Sergeant, we'll take this side of the field on the hangars. What? Now, make sure you plant that dynamite where it'll do the most good. Good luck. Come on, Sergeant. There's the bunker, Captain. In here. Captain, look. Yeah, three planes, all fighters.
1: There must be at least half a dozen bunkers along this side of the field with planes in all of them. We've hit the jackpot, Captain.
2: You start at the other end, Sergeant. Work your way back. I'll meet you here in three minutes. Right, sir. I found three bunkers, planes in each of them. A squad structure with a sign out front, Octum, explosives. I poked two loads under that one. Then a warehouse, a bulldozer, trucks, cars, and three barracks buildings. From somewhere in the pitch black, I could hear voices laughing and talking. Then I was back at the first bunker and the Sergeant moved out of the dark. He was smiling. The
1: plane's in all them bunkers, and they got a fuel reservoir while i was at it, sir. Good. Let's get out of here. We've been spotted.
2: The sergeant cut the guard down before he could pull a rifle off his shoulder. Spotlights went on everywhere. Other guards came running. Then a door opened behind us. Excited figures rushed out and stopped dead in their tracks when they saw us. We stood there face to face with half a dozen surprised Nazi officers. The sergeant whipped his machine gun around and they dropped one after another right at our feet. All but one, he stumbled forward right into the sergeant's arm. The sergeant held him as a shield with one arm, and went on firing. Make for the main gate, sergeant. On so the that, Captain. He moved through patches of darkness and smoke, dragging the Nazi up to us. The guards were firing in wild confusion, and then a strange thing happened. As we moved under the light at the main gate, the Jerry's quit firing at us. They were all around us, but out of sight. Silent. Watching us. We made a perfect target, but not a shot was fired. I couldn't figure it out. I... I don't get it, Captain. What are they waiting for? I don't know. Maybe it's that Jerry officer you got there. Him? He don't look important. Battle fatigues, no rank insignia. Nothing but that campaign medal. Well, hang on to him just the same.
1: <laughs> don't worry. Hello? What? The main gate's closed. Looks locked. Yeah. How are we going to get out? Look.
2: There was a staff car parked just 15 yards away. We moved to it, wondering how long it would be before the guards made up their minds to start shooting again. The sergeant got in the back with a Nazi officer and I started the car and headed right for the gate. And then we were through. Get away from this bloody place. Them explosives are going off any second now. See if any of them pull out after us. I don't think so. Not yet? Well, the wadi should be up around that bend in the road. wonder how many of the men made it back.
1: We'll soon find out. Hi! Right, there she goes.
2: The sky turned white, then red as the shockwave crashed against us. The car swerved from side to side. Shells from the ammo gun screamed in at us in every direction, tearing the landscape open everywhere. I could hardly hold the car on the road and move Finally, the road curved around the hill, offering some protection from the bombardment of explosion. Oh, did we do all that, sir? Looks like it. That was meant for you, Prince. Hey, come back here, you! What's wrong? He's trying to jump! I can Hold it! No!
1: Oh. He got away! What? up! I'm going after him! No, it's too dark. Never find him now anywhere.
2: Found the men waiting at the wadi. They piled into the Nazi staff car, and there were six of us again. Yep, all six. Operation completed, and we didn't lose a man. We still had a long, hazardous drive back to our lines, but it was different now. It was going home. I drove, and Sergeant sat next to me. He was brooding about the Nazi officer. Cheer up, Sergeant. Maybe you can get yourself another on the next raid. Well, I suppose. Well, anyhow, I got a souvenir. Part of his jacket, too. Ever see a jury medal like that before, Captain? I haven't. Oh, yeah, that's... That's... What's the matter, sir? Holy... What's the matter? You, you got this off that officer? Yes, sir. What? Uh, do you know what it is? No, sir. Well, it's the Hitler Knight's Cross. Hit the nice cross? Yes, yeah, the purest personal medal. There's only three that he's ever given out. Oh, sir? Three. Gering got one. One for von Rundstedt. What about the other? Rommel. Take your pick, Sergeant. Which one of them did we have? <laughs>
1: the direction of Anthony Ellis, Escape has brought you the 13th Truck, adapted by Gus Bays, from the story of Captain Douglas M. Smith, as told to Cecil Carnes, starring High Everback as Captain Brown, with Richard Peel as the sergeant. Featured in the cast were Alistair Duncan, Charlie Lung, Alec Harford, and Jack Crucian. The special music for Escape was composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Next week. You are the
2: subject of an experiment. An experiment to make you the most powerful man on Earth. While if it succeeds from that moment
1: on, you will be forever locked in a world from which there can be no escape. So listen next week. When Escape will bring you Irving Reese's extraordinary story, The Man from Tomorrow. A sensational trial of old San Francisco in 1870 will be your crime classic on CBS Radio tomorrow evening. The title... The Incredible Trial of Laura D. Fair. It's a long title, but whether you have a short or long memory, don't miss this exciting story of Mrs. Fair's Incredible Trial, dramatized by CBS Radio, on Crime Classics tomorrow evening over most of these same stations. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, there's action as the policeman really finds it in 21st Precinct, Tuesdays on the CBS Radio Network.